Just call me Stephen Furtick, okay? I'll do a handheld mic today. I just need a couple hundred dollars more pair of pants, and I'll be fine. So, good morning, everybody. How was the week? Let's see here. This week. Let me give you the rundown of the week. Um, Tuesday, me and Mrs. Helen, our beloved uh, mother in the faith here at uh, Flint City, went down to Indiana, and we, uh, her son died about 12 years ago, and we, uh, we put Dave Jr. in the grave by his father, and we went down there, had some time to just cry and, and mourn, and we sang Elvis the whole way home, so that was pretty awesome. <laughs> um, Wednesday had a really big storm here in the city. We had a, I had a lightning hit a tree in my backyard. I had a tree come down on my neighbor's car. Lost power for a few days, so that was uh, a hot day. But you know what? I had a buddy offer me a generator, and I told the guy, I said, listen, I don't want a generator. I want my kids to have no internet and no TV and be hot and sweaty for a few days. It'll be good for their character. And it was. We had a good time. Went to the library and read books and played. We played a game where we went around and I would ask a question, which is your favorite color, and then, then Lena, then Nesto, then Mama. We did it for like an hour one night just talking, and I'm like, who needs the Internet? But then the kids are like, where's the Internet? But um, that was Wednesday. So it's just been a good week. So to start our talk today, we're in Proverbs talking about wisdom, talking about wisdom today. When I was a kid... I remember one day, I was like eight years old, living on Leith Street, wherever that is, and uh, I was sitting in this room by myself, staring at a lamp, and I was a curious boy by nature, and this lamp, I began wondering, why does that light bulb glow like this? Why does it turn on and give light? And I started thinking in my head, and I thought to myself, I bet, my, my, my hypothesis was, I bet whatever you put on that lamp would glow. Like the lamp's power was to make things glow. So I took the light bulb out of there, and I thought, you know what would be awesome? If my hand glowed. So I took the light bulb out, put my finger in the top of the lamp, and then I turned it on. Now guess what? My light, my, my hand did not glow. Instead, I turned that switch instantaneously, there was, a, there, was, there was a crackle, there was pain, and I was on the floor. Like, I think the Lord, I didn't blow myself up that day. But that happened. I, I, I literally, I learned that day that electricity creates light and light bulbs. So that's, you should put your hand in that. Now, I'm ask you a question about that, that moment in my life. Was me putting my finger in that lamp, was that sinful? No. I wasn't breaking a commandment. There is no 11th commandment, thou shalt put your finger in a light socket. Was it smart? No. Now, for a lot of Christians, a lot of people follow God and follow Jesus. We know there's some things that are not okay. We know the Ten Commandments. If I'm driving on the street, I see a beautiful puppy in some guy's yard. I can't pull off the road, go grab his puppy, jump in and drive away. Because the Bible tells me, Thou shalt not steal, right? Stealing, I know, is always bad. It's bad. It's bad. If someone hurts my family, and I think to myself, I'm going to kill that fool. I know that God says to me and to all of us, thou shalt not 
murder. Some things we know are bad and some things we know are good. We know that prayer is a good thing. We know that being part of a church family is a good thing. So some things are good and some things are bad. But what about all the stuff in the middle? The gray. Like, should I take this job or that job? Should I date that person or this person? These kind of decisions, there is no like biblical map on a lot of our life decisions. And that's where wisdom comes in. Wisdom is all, the book of Proverbs is a book about wisdom. See, Solomon, the king we met last week, Solomon prayed to the Lord for wisdom, and God gave him understanding. And he wrote this book called the book of Proverbs, which is the wisdom of Solomon. So I go there now. So, a few things we need to learn about wisdom. A few things to learn. First, wisdom is not just head knowledge. Wisdom is not just a master's degree or a PhD. You can have a PhD and still be ignorant. That's possible. You can be really smart and still blow your life up. There are plenty of Christians in churches all over America who know the Bible really well, and they are brutal, cruel, awful people. Wisdom is more than head knowledge, okay? Wisdom is head and heart. Listen to these, listen to these words. Verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. So we know that it is head stuff. I do got to learn what wisdom is, but then it says in verse 3, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. In righteousness, justice, and equity. Wisdom is not just about knowing what to do. Wisdom is actually doing it. Wisdom is having the knowledge and then making the choice to act upon that knowledge. Wisdom is both head knowledge and heart knowledge. It is not just knowing the path. It is choosing the path. Two weeks ago on Friday, there was a single mega millions ticket sold in Illinois, right? And that dude went over a billion dollars. Let's say I had a dream Thursday night. In my dream, the Lord reveals to me the numbers. The Lord's like, here's the numbers, here's the Powerball, it's all yours. Use it for my glory. And I wake up and I know, I know what to do. I know the truth. I know the numbers. I know how to get the money. If I don't go by the ticket and it all happens the way I know it's going to happen, I'm like, I knew it was going to be those numbers. How unwise would that be? I would have knowledge, but the lack of action reveals a lack of wisdom. So wisdom is this, it's head and heart. This is what it's like. Okay, there are things in the Bible we know are right and wrong, okay? I'll give an example. We know the Bible says drunkenness is a sin. We know that. There's a line drawn in the sand. Drunkenness is sin. 
What Christians love to do, we love walking to the line. I'm really buzzed, but I'm not drunk. <laughs> we, we, we walk to the line. We're like, well, I'm not in sin yet, so I'm good. And that's half true. I've not broken the command. I beat this guy almost to death, but he ain't dead. I'm clean, baby. We walk to the line and think that I haven't jumped over this line, so God must be cool with me. But there's more, the question we often ask is, am I allowed to do it? But there's a different question we should ask when we're dealing with issues in our life. And the question we should ask ourselves is this, is it wise? Is it wise? A lot of us don't ever ask that question of our lives. If I've got $100 left till next Friday, payday, got $100 to last me for five days, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I feel like going to Sagano's today and having some Japanese steakhouse food. And what does it cost Sagano's? $22.99 for dinner or something like that? That's a good that plus tip. You're at 30 bucks, right? You go there, get a Coke and tip, 30 easy. That's if you don't drink, then it's 45. But 30 bucks, right? That could be a third or half of all the money you got. Now, is that sinful to go to Sagano's and have Japanese Steakhouse? No, it's not sinful. Is it wise? Probably not. I shouldn't blow half of my resources on a single meal. This is something that we're bad at as Christians. We're not good at being wise. We think if it's allowable, then I'm clean. But there's some things Paul once said, all things are permissible for me, but not all things are profitable. There are some things I'm allowed to do that could hurt my life. And wisdom warns me, don't do those things. If you read Solomon's words of wisdom, he talks about who you be friends with, how you spend your money, who you should give your love to. The Proverbs contain all kinds of practical wisdom for our everyday lives. Because most of our greatest decisions are in the gray. What do I do, A or B? And wisdom, wisdom gives us this head knowledge and heart knowledge of how to navigate these hard, these biggest decisions in our lives. So, moving on. Wisdom is both head and heart knowledge. We also know that wisdom is a skill. Look at verse 4. So wisdom, these, these proverbs can bring prudence to the simple and can bring knowledge and discretion to the youth. Wisdom can give prudence to the simple. Which means, even an unwise person can become wise. Wisdom is not, it, you don't got to go and get a PhD to be wise. When I was a kid, in my home, we were not very good with money. We often find ourselves in our home, um, we do all the classic moves, right? You write a check today and tell them, don't catch till Friday, right? That's a classic move. We would often be caught with the, um, if you write a check that goes through too soon, you get what? Now it is like 32 bucks, isn't it? 
if, if your check goes through, it used to be like 22 bucks. Now it's $32 if you go over on a check. We always have our house. We have um, bill collectors calling our house all the time. It was awful. So I got older and got my own money. Guess what? I did the same things. If I had the money, I spent the money. Often I would spend money I didn't have. I was spending money hoping the next Friday I managed to cover what I was buying today. Did it all the time. I'd always get hit with those stinking um, overage fees. My life was, uh, my financial life was a chaotic nightmare. I have a choice. Even though I learned money poorly, even though I saw money management modeled badly for me, we don't have to stay that way. We can learn. We can change. We can gain knowledge, information to help us make better decisions. Wisdom is a skill that can be learned, which means any one of us, we all love to talk trash saying how we're not smart, and I ain't smart. Being wise does not mean you'll crush it on jeopardy. Being wise simply means when the Lord reveals a path, you take the path. Wisdom means when I see the right, I do the right. Wisdom means the little I know, I act upon. If all I know is love God and love people, and I live by that, I'm living a wise life. So wisdom is head and heart knowledge. Wisdom is a skill. Then we see in verse 7 where wisdom begins. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Solomon says, listen, the way to start building wisdom for your life is by fearing the Lord. Now, what does that mean to fear the Lord? In America, this phrase, in America, fear is always a bad thing. But when reading Hebrew poetry, you got to understand something. Every verse in Proverbs, there's, a, like a, there's like verse A and verse B, and these two ideas rhyme. Listen to the two rhyming ideas. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. B, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we know that whatever the fear of the Lord is, it's the opposite of despising wisdom and instruction. So what is fearing the Lord? To fear the Lord simply means you're willing to listen to God and do what he says. Your ears are open, and when he commands, you're willing to obey. It's submission. Fearing the Lord is submitting to the Lord because he has authority over us. It is a healthy reverence. It's an awe of God. I know that God is God. When he speaks, I obey. That's the fear of the Lord. Fools, on the opposite end, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of wisdom is be having a submissive heart to God. If I want to be a wise person, the way I start that path, I do what God says. I, I listen to him with my life. I'll say it this way. Every morning of my life, I walk my dog every day. I wake up at 6.15, my alarm goes off, I get up, I pray, I shower, I walk my dog. And lately, 
I've been doing a mile walk every morning. It's been really good. I have time to think, and I have time to, like, listen to the Bible read to me on my headphones. Some days when the Bible's done reading, I just walk in silence. It, it's great. It's great. I, just, I tried to do one thing the other day. I tried to do an experiment. My dog's a good girl. She's a good girl. Good girl. Her name's Sunny. She's a good girl. She does this thing whenever I come home. She does this loving growl. You ever heard a dog do that? They're so happy. There's a little, like, sound comes out of them. It's not anger. It's just like, you're, you're there. I love you. Touch me. Pet me, please. It's just so much excitement in their hearts, you know? So we walk, and I decided, my dog's just a good girl. I wonder if she could go leashless on a walk. No leash. So, and I decided, my girl, I, I told Angie, my girl's so good, I'll get on my bike, and I'll ride my bike, and she'd be right next to me on the bike the whole time. And you know what? We started off down the driveway, and my puppy was right with me. We turned the corner, and she's, she's, she's loving letting it look. She's running, I'm biking, and life is good. Until there are some people out in their yard having some coffee. And when puppy sees the people and sees, I think there was a cat out there. I mean, she just, just I was biking. I was going. And she's like, she turned on the jets, just took off away from me and ran to those people and scared the crap out of them. And I ran, I'd, I'd bike over, go get her, and I'd walk her home, like holding her collar. It was an awful thing. <laughs> on the way home, she saw a bunny. I lost her again. It was terrible. The fear of the Lord. So my puppy is a good puppy, but that leash Whenever a rabbit busts out of a, of a bush and she takes off, that leash holds her from going crazy and leaving me forever and being lost in Flint, Michigan. The fear of the Lord is a restraining power on our lives. It's what it is. The fear of the Lord is a restraining power of our lives. Just this week, some things happened in my life. Someone hurt my family. And when I got, I got the news of what happened, anger flooded my heart. Not just anger, I would dare say rage filled my heart. And for a moment, all the old lights turn on, right? As Elvis would say, in the ghetto. Like, oh, the ghetto stuff came out. I'm like, you know what? I'm taking my preacher hat off right now. Let's do this old school. And there's this feeling of letting it out. In that moment where there was a desire to let violence reign, I felt this other thing, like pull back. It was the Holy Spirit saying, Ernesto, you know it's not the way. I'm like, but Lord, Ernesto, you know it's not the way. I stood there all, all upset. The Lord's like, do you trust me? I'm like, I trust you. Do you trust me? I trust you. But let me have this. And I was like, I'm, I'm walking around my office just talking to myself, dude. Just like, oh, I'm not being God fighting. It's awful. It's, it's hilarious. I'm glad no one's there to see this stuff. But my point is that fear of the Lord restrained me from making an already hard situation worse. That fear of the Lord restrained me from letting loose the, most, the more baser natures of my nature. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That, that posture of the soul saying, I trust you, Lord. I love you. I want to obey you. That simple posture of the heart 
is the beginning of all wisdom because it reveals you're willing to be taught. There's an old phrase, right? You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's that's an American proverb. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. And a lot of the times, that's true. A lot of people don't change, do they? If they're a young punk, they grow up to be an old punk. That happens. But we believe, because of Jesus Christ, we believe people don't change, but God can change people. And he does. They change my life. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the next step of wisdom, that first step is just, I'm willing to hear you, Lord. The next step of wisdom is very simple. It's sitting at the feet of Jesus. We find in 1 Corinthians the culmination of where we can find wisdom in this life. I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I go to verse 22. It says this. For Jews demand signs, and the Greeks seek wisdom. I'll stop right there. Paul's writing. Paul says, man, we live in this weird world. We have two major cultures. We have the Jews and the Greeks. The Jews, they love power. They love miracles. The Pharisees always said to Christ, show us a sign, right? Show me the money. Show me you're really God's guy. Do a trick for me, Jesus, then I'll believe in you. The Jews desire power and miracles. The Greeks love wisdom. The Greeks are philosophers. They love to sit and talk and think all day long. And Paul says this. The Jews demand signs. The Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. It offends everybody. And listen, our gospel has to offend everybody. It does. If what we preach, (laughs) if what we preach, how do you say it? If what we preach fits in one person's camp, they're our master, not the Lord. We're not on their team. We're on Christ's team. And he ain't on our team. We're on his team. You understand? Our gospel should offend, it should, it should offend liberals and conservatives. Our gospel should offend everybody. Because Jesus is not on any, he's not on their teams. We're called to be on his team. And Paul says this. I love how he ends. He says this. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Jews want power. Christ is the power they're looking for. The thing they really want, Christ fulfills it. And the Greeks want wisdom. The true wisdom of God is found only and fully in Jesus Christ. So we want to be people who are wise. We don't want to be fools. I'll say this. I'm sweating like a pig up here, just so you know. It's hotter here than down there. You have fans. Whoever's in the back row, you're all so smart, your back row sitters, because the fan hits you first. 
And the further it goes up, we get less and less of the air. And I'm at the very front. I get none of it. The air doesn't move up here, just so you know. Gross, man. Okay. Let me say this. The Christian church, we are profoundly unwise. We are almost anti-academic. Like, we hate facts. We close our ears if we hear anything that goes against our most beloved ideas. I was at college last week, two weeks ago, and the professor said that it's very easy. Whatever your parents or your culture gave you as values, it's very easy to mistake your cultural values for biblical values. And these, these guys in our class pushed back and said, I don't believe that because my values are biblical values. And it made me so sad watching the attitude of some of these young preachers, the unwillingness to listen, the unwillingness to learn, that thought that they knew everything already. We don't know everything. As Christians, we are a people who seek the truth, which means we should constantly be growing in our skill of wisdom. Wisdom is a skill we never finally fully have. I sit here, I sit there today, I watch Mr. Tony lead worship. I watch Jesus and, and Tony and Tim play. I smile so big because I, I don't have musical ability. And I watch them practice, and at first the songs sound all like, you know, on the wrong chord, or when do I come in, they, they tuck it out, and you feel the song come together. And when, when we come in, all that work's been done, and we get to just enjoy what God, the gifts God has given them. But it's not just a natural gift. These guys all got to practice get better. They practice their instruments. If they don't practice the instrument, when Tony first started leading again, he hadn't led in how long, Tony? Seven years. He, he not had a guitar in his hand seven years. I'm like, want to lead tomorrow? He goes, no, I don't want to lead tomorrow. I got to get the guitar back up, get the skills, like uh, rewire all the old neurons. And I watched him slowly over time. He practiced and then not play. And you watched all the learning come back. And we remembered and you watched the confidence grow. And it's awesome. For us, wisdom is a skill we must always be cultivating. The moment we say, I got it all figured out and stop listening to anybody, we become really gross people. There was a lake up north where I used to live. It wasn't a lake. What do you call when water comes in and doesn't go anywhere? Is that a pond? It's a swamp. If water can only come and can't leave, that water becomes all gross and mildewy and green and just it smells like a foot. It's gross. If you say, I know everything, and you stop learning, you're a swamp. And you may be able to talk awesome and quote two people that you saw on YouTube, but you're not smart and you're not wise. Wisdom demands this constant ability to keep on growing and learning. 
We as a church do not want to be an ignorant blowhard just screaming random ideas into the darkness. We must sit at the feet of Christ and continue to have the posture of learners. There's this one story in the Bible with two sisters, Mary and Martha. And one sister is making food and being a hostess and serving everybody. The other sister, which one's sitting at the feet? Is it Mary's at the feet, right? Okay. I always, I get, they're such easy, the names are so close. Mary is at Christ's feet. Listen to his teach. And Martha's running around like crazy. And finally, Martha comes to Christ and she's like, Master, tell my sister to stop being lazy and to help me serve everybody. And Jesus goes, it's almost Brady Bunch. Martha, Martha, Martha. Mary has chosen the better thing. We're so busy doing so much of the time, we never take time to sit at the feet of Christ and to listen and to learn. How many times before a big decision do you come to Christ and say, Christ, I don't know what to do. Jesus, should I buy this car or not buy this car? Jesus, should I date this fool or not date this fool? You can ask him these questions. He'll save your butt sometimes, legit. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but the culmination of wisdom is found in Christ Jesus. I want to encourage all his people. As we walk through life, there are black and white issues, but there's a lot of gray in the middle. And we're going to need help in navigating the gray. We need the wisdom that Solomon had and that God gives to his people, that wisdom can be found in our submission to God, and our ability to sit at the feet of Christ and hear what he says. Are you in the word? Do you listen to what he says at all? Do you take time before decisions to ask Christ, should I do this or not? These are important things for us to do if we want to cultivate wisdom in our lives. And the reason we cultivate wisdom, one, so we don't blow our life up, and two, so we can reach the culture we live in. Because the culture we live in needs Jesus. And it takes great wisdom to reach that culture that's coming more, further and further away from us. So I want to encourage you, seek wisdom. Seek Jesus. Submit to the Lord. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this morning. We pray, Lord, please bring the storms to flint to break this humidity for us, Lord. We ask this. Lord, there's a lot of prayer requests in the, in the family right now. A lot of prayer requests. Um, there's some trauma in the house. There's some sickness in the house. There's financial struggle in the house. You know the prayers, Lord. You know our hurts. Meet us where we're at, Father. Help us to be a people who desire your wisdom and your word. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.